And action. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Live Bullions. We've got the uh, generous John. Uh, generous the John. <laughs> what, what goes with K? Killer Completely Costa. amazing Costa. Oh, Killer Costa. That's good. Killer Costa. And uh, the awesome Alex. And uh, nothing goes well with S. So, yeah. Uh, the superb Susie. Susie. Super Susie. Super Susie. <laughs> super, super, yeah. Su- superbly super. <laughs> Here today are Cafe Bullions. Um, hi, everybody. How are you? We're doing good. good. We're good, thank you. Very good. Can't get this lamp in the right spot, so this is always in my eye. But... That's it's good I'm that doing. you're for, a, our, for our audience I, that can see you right now. It's okay, cafe staff. Alex is just touching your lamps. It'll all be fine. <laughs> we get some service out here, please. Okay, honestly, like real quick story on that um, because I got one of those like lamps, like you do for like vlogging. I'm pretty sure on the front it says like an influencer lamp. The ring so one hasn't made oh, me famous one? yet, but. Yeah, the ring one. Yeah, that's right. So I got one of those and I went on like a video chat with like other Australian composers and stuff. And I was like the first one and I I wanted to use it. So it made me look more professional or whatever. But what I didn't realize is having it on one side made one of my pupils really dilated. (laughs) So I was on this video chat, just looked like I was, I don't know, high as shit or something. (laughs) Something's going on there. (laughs) Use those. You're David Bowie, mate. One dilated pupil. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that was the look. <laughs> you got the boy eyes, Alex. Now, see, I know. That's so cool. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I did it myself. Um, uh, Bowie, that's the thing, though. Everyone thinks Bowie has two different color eyes. They're both green, but he got punched in the eye as, a, as like a kid by his mate, and his eye is permanently expanded. The, the pupil, mm. well, it was. Oh, wow. So um, it's not dark, the, it's just that's the way it is. Yeah, they're both green or blue yeah. or whatever. I think it's blue eyes. But um, yeah, I had to learn, so I, I looked trick. that up because I got called Bowie for like my entire life. <laughs> what's so the trick? The trick is to get, get your mate to punch you. Yeah, get no. Killer Costa to um, <laughs> tell him that Suvlaki ain't Costa, all that. The, the eye <laughs> Sweet, I'll be around in a minute for my punching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of punching, (laughs) (laughs) maybe Pax might be punching above its weight Um, because (laughs) because, uh, the story that I wanted to talk about last time, but we were so busy eating all those chips, was that um, that kind of difference between in-person events and how we're approaching them across the industry. So... PAX Australia, like obviously by now we've all heard, is coming back in October as a full event with like normal capacity, like at the Melbourne um, Convention Centre, like huge crowds, all normal. Um, But Avcon, like locally, are saying, oh, we can't like really do that because if we have the big event at the Convention Centre, we have to to cancel it because anything happens, like we wouldn't be able to financially recover. So they're kind of taking a really different approach to their event and they're doing... Um, several mini events like and they're going to like rural and regional places too and they're having like all these kind of little versions of AFCON in all these different locations and like um, I think there's some really cool benefits to that but it's just really interesting to me like how different those approaches are and I was wondering what what you all thought of that too yeah I mean I'm a I I love the big crowd like that that whole thing um and that's got to come back eventually 
Um, what they're talking about there with the financial stuff, that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't have thought about it like that. So I, <clears throat> I definitely, um, you know, sympathize them for that. But man, I miss, I just miss, I miss normality. I just miss these events. And I think, I think we're too, um, like, oh, what am I trying to say? Like, I think everything going online is made it so much harder to things bring people back, like together. Yeah. Now that we've tasted it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the convenience of it. But I think also it depends on what your um, your like KPI is or like your metric, like of, of what you would consider this to be a success and like w- whatever Avcon needs to um, uh, like get this going next year because I've had to keep putting it off. So, you know, if they want record numbers or something like that and then they do these small events, like it won't happen. So... I think as long as it can, personally, I'd like to, if, if this isn't like the, um, the here to stay kind of thing, like I, th- I think the rural event stuff is good because they, they tend to miss out. But um, yeah, it's yeah, really definitely. cool. Like thinking about going to like these regional towns and maybe places like York Peninsula and stuff where people maybe don't get to come all the way to Adelaide, like, you know, giving kids there and like people there opportunities to, to see some cool stuff as well. Like, yeah. That's awesome. It- it's almost the forward thinking thing in some ways. And it's probably a good way to differentiate themselves from PAX and the other big events as well. Yeah. It's almost mm. more of a niche selling point. It feels like those um you know those bills in America where they like apparently they'll like have some law which everyone wants to pass, right? Like say, um, clean drinking water for this city and they're like uh yeah, but let's just tack on to the end uh, this uh <laughs> You can't say certain words, you know, or teach yeah. kids certain things, right? That's right. So then it doesn't get voted for. And then you're like, oh, guess they yeah. don't care about the clean water or something like that. Like, oh, I would love yeah, to have these rural events. But if it's like, <laughs> you only get the rural events or the one big event, it's like, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, even um, we spoke to Kerry as well, uh, organizing um, GCAP as well. And... Even with that, like he spoke about the importance and the fact that even from from the feedback from play like players, but people who go to these events, um, the number one thing was like we want to be back in person. Like it's such a powerful mm. thing, and it's so different when it's online, and also difficult to host online when it's when it's an online or a hybrid event. It's hybrid just, event, yeah. It's yeah. such a difficult and different thing, so. I can understand this is kind of like the in-between of, hey, let's not risk it all, but let's do something to uh, still have an event that isn't, yeah, that, yeah. that, uh, that we don't lose all yeah. our money on. So it makes sense. Yeah. Because like, there's something about packs. Like, like, cause you know, I get working online, I get studying online, I get all of that. Like that's, that's every day. But like, there's something about packs when you like walk in and everybody there is like you and it's got that welcome home banner. Like it just yeah. feels like, like it, it's oh, it, right? Awesome. There's nothing else like packs. Like yeah, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. And the same with Avcon, like that's the place where we can all go and like, you know, everyone there is is yeah. generally cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna hurt the whole cosplaying thing as well. Because I think that's part of the thing is you like spend ages on your cosplaying outfit, so you can show it off to everyone, to the rest of Adelaide. So. Yeah. yeah, I think last year when it cancelled, or it might have been twenty twenty when it cancelled, um, the cosplayers like, I think they just did stuff out in the city instead, like just out in public. 
I can't remember. There was uh, something com- to do with that. I think it was to promote Avcon or to raise mm-hmm. awareness or money or it was something like that. But yeah, so you're right. They're definitely... Um, that just reminds me of my first Avcon I went to where um, I wasn't cosplaying, but there was obviously a lot of cosplaying there. And like for lunch, I went out to Rundle Mall and this, this guy like pulled me aside and he's like, mate, um, do you know what's going on with all these people dressed up? <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're, they're, uh, they're cosplaying. They're, um, so they're dressing up as like their favorite characters from like uh, anime and video games. He's like, what's anime? <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's have a conversation. <laughs> You're probably not the crowd for this one. <laughs> My first Avcon, when I was walking to it, because um, I didn't know what Avcon was, um, our, one of our... Um, assignments was to present a game at Avcon um, so I was just told it's a video game convention I didn't know about the whole cosplay stuff and I didn't know anyone anything about that I couldn't believe how many like fake you can't see the air quotes people listening but fake web like they all look real yeah. and then uh, maybe yeah. go, like if you wanted to like do something like why don't you just paint a real weapon that looks fake? Like, how do they know that they're all... Make it look like plastic. Yeah. Like, it's so scary. Like, there's I'm pretty sure they do have to check them. Yeah. There's Surely there's metal detectors or something like that. Yeah. Mm. I don't even remember. I don't think there were metal detectors. Oh. Well, I mean, there's the booth know. in there. That, there's the sword booth where the person's selling the actual swords yep. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, have yeah. I mean, they're all... Blunt, I think, but you can, you know, purchase them and then get them delivered else, like outside of yeah, hours yeah, yeah. to get past that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Out of hours, sword. What cosplays have have you done in the past? What's been your favorite cosplay that you've done? I've never cosplayed. I mean, oh, every day what? I uh, cosplay as a uh, as caffeine a rattled... <laughs> like a what? As a web developer. As a web developer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent hours applying this shadow under my eyes. <laughs> and these like Just contacts raccoon, I put in. Like. Yeah. <laughs> to make yeah. my eyes all bloodshot. <laughs> I would love to though. I'd love to do like a... I'm not cool enough though. I'd love to be like <laughs> you're cool solid snake or uh yeah. <laughs> just under a cardboard box <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I could see you as like you know like um you know the the dad from Evangelion I can totally see you like I don't know what that, that is with the glasses gonna, oh. what, what's his name <laughs> dad from doesn't he Evangelion. isn't he pretty much like the bad guy of the whole show yeah he is he is the bad guy but he's so cool looking right like his character what? design is like is that, cool. is that Gen Gendo Ikari? Oh, I think so. Yeah, Ikari, yeah. yeah. I look nothing Gendo like this Ikari. guy. No, but I can see you pulling it off. Like face structure and like, you know, bones and cheeks. Like you could totally pull I, that I have off. bones and cheeks, yes. Alex, you do, I you have both bones yeah. and cheeks. That's good. Such a solid see? start. Having Don't you bones think? And you totally pull that off. <laughs> I can see that. I, I, I'd have to cut my hair. You know, he looks quite menacing. Who, me if, or the if guy? If he put on the one guy. of those Evangelion suits, he would also look like one of the Evangelion robots. Now I have to Google that. I don't know what this go. is. Evangelion robot. I don't know. You, dude, you've got to watch this sometime. I only watched the anime recently and it was like... Oh, um, I get it. Really, really good. And then uh, halfway through, it kind of gets a bit weird. And then the last two episodes, there's all these rumors around it, but I think they ran out of budget and... It just gets real weird. <laughs> so Some so of it's like, like um, just storyboard, yeah. hey. 
Like some of us pretty much story just a storyboard. <laughs> yeah. And it's, from what I could understand, it's basically meant to be like a representation of what's happening inside the main character's head. But it's kind of just like this endless loop of like anxious thoughts. Um, but for two episodes. <laughs> what? How do you run out huh? of budget like while making it? Oh, because I, I think they spent too much on like earlier episodes or something uh, like that. I might be yeah. getting this wrong, but that's just what I heard. After after I stormed to the internet after watching the last two episodes, I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> they had Tommy Rousseau on their budgeting team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Susie? Oh, what's, what's been your best cosplay? Um, ooh, best? I don't know. Probably my one of my favorites was... um. Uh, from this anime called Please Teacher and um, her name's Mizuhu Kazumi and she's like um, this teacher that's really an alien. Oh. Um, so she has pink hair. So that that was particularly fun. And that was my first <laughs> Avcon <laughs> cosplay too. So. What you say it's called? Please uh, Teach Me. Did you, did you dye your hair Please or did teacher. you go for a wig? Please Teach I went for... Well, I did both actually. I tried dyeing it but it didn't look bright enough so then I got a wig. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was That's a cool. fun one. What about you, John and Costa? You done any cosplay? Uh, <laughs> nope. I don't I think I've done done. cosplay. I've, I've re- uh, yeah, I'm pretty lame when it comes to costumes. Like if I if I'm gonna do it, I'll do it. But like I very rarely do it. Um, I think mm. I like I did a Halloween outfit, which was pretty much I just pulled stuff together from my closet, and I was like, yeah, I'm a generic steampunk thing. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and it was and it was just like me and a wife beater and like a loose belt and trackies kind of thing <laughs> and like goggles <laughs> so no no i'm not i'm not good at cosplay <laughs> jed and i went dressed up once to somewhere as a uh, turk and jd from scrubs Ooh, jed was turk i was jd <laughs> that's cool that was, that's amazing i haven't yeah, done it but i would definitely go as like has anyone seen the movie highlander um, <laughs> the main dude from Highlander. I got the sword from it. I'm like really into that movie. Um, uh-huh. And the sword is like the the thing. That's a, basically a movie where. Um, oh sweet! It's a sci-fi movie. They did a TV show, but it's like you gotta basically cut each other's heads off, and you gain the power from. It's like a bunch of immortal beings, and like there has to be only one remaining. And the way that they consolidate power is they cut each other's heads off. It's such a weird. Um, premise. Let's go. But is that Sean yeah. Connery? Sean Connery in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I remember this and the, now. And the soundtrack He's like is wearing done a by cute. Queen. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Queen well. is the soundtrack. Far. <laughs> it's um, a kind of magic. That's where it comes from. Really? Yeah, yeah. That whole album. Wow. Is from that. Wow. It's an awesome eighties, like nineties sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say TV movie. Looking at because I, I haven't seen this, but have you guys seen Kung Fury, like that nineteen eighties yeah. parody? Yeah. Yeah. So this reminds Betty. me. The images remind me of just the parody bits of Kung Fury, <laughs> where they're like back in time. It. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of cheesy, but like eighties cheesy. It's good. But you gotta watch time. it definitely. Sweet. Why is it cheesy mean it wasn't cheesy at the time? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't cheesy, but it now is cheesy. Yeah, right. Can't but like I'm, past cheesy. I've gone. I did see an awesome like Team Fortress two cosplay. Oh, the, yeah. Like uh, the whole squad basically. You had the scout. Cool. You had the gunner. That was like an like it always stuck in my head after seeing that. It was so awesome. That's pretty cool. But was actually, the pyro I, female? Actually, I need to know. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Damn. Actually, you just reminded me. Actually, so 
I, I do actually have a repressed memory, which is a cosplay, um, <laughs> but it's accidental cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, me and one of my mates got those morph suits. I don't know if you remember those where it's like skin tight. I don't know what it is, like or something. Uh, well, you could get them green, but mm. we got ones with like suit patterns on them. And like, so it's like a suit, uh, like a high class suit and then just a <laughs> white face. And like, we, we just wore those because we had them and everyone's dressing up. So we're like, what the hell? Let's go to Avcon in these. And everyone thought we were Slenderman because Slenderman <laughs> had just come out. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure like, I didn't even know what Slenderman was at the time, but we ended up getting like someone at one of the magazines there come and interview us and they're like, fantastic outfits. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> people say we're Slenderman. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. People say. People <laughs> say. Um, Costa and I talked about this in the past and by which I mean I suggested it to him and then he would just laugh it off so I don't know if we were actually committed to doing this but now that uh, you two are part of the family as well we said that um, if we do a live bullion slash cafe bulleons thing at like an Avcon or a PAX we'll get giant like mm-hmm. cardboard mm-hmm. pixel heads of ours yeah. like oh, as masks yeah, like so oversized cool. ones and then like have like oh, man. string like next to the mouth so that the mouth can move while we talk and stuff like that. <laughs> I want mine to be oh, like super so bad, like photocopy, like it's still got lines in it and stuff. <laughs> if we can get can, that. Can we do the, the thing, uh, thing where we, yeah. we we can switch heads with each other and people won't know who's who? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I'm pretty sure it was like the guys from Breaking Bad. Was it Brian yeah. Cranston yeah, and he took it Aaron off. Paul did it? Yeah. They both wore like each other's masks yeah. and so people didn't, People assume they were just random people at the uh, event and then they went up on stage awesome. and took off their masks and they did like an entire panel. He said he knew too much. Yeah. They took him out. <laughs> exposing the secrets. Well, Actually, have you guys seen, Costa and Alex, have you seen Axis Powers Italia? Because that's like an anime about World War II and I feel Ooh. like the, the Italian guy is like hilarious. Like he's always just going, pasta to everything. <laughs> And he's like totally obsessed with Germany and like, like always right. following Germany and wanting to be his best friend. And What's I feel like, called? Alex, you would be the best Italy. And Costa, <laughs> you have to be Germany. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, your jawline is like total no Germany. Way. Like, you just have what's, to. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Axis Powers Hitalia. Axis Powers. Oh, there it goes. It's yeah, right at the bottom of the uh, <laughs> suggested search. Hitalia. So it's basically like World War Two, but if the countries were characters and then it has all their wow. relationships and like how they I swear there's an anime the, for everything. Yeah. It's which funny, one, isn't it? <laughs> is it the one with the who's the which one's the uh Italian? Is it the uh, light brown or he's dark? Like, he's got like um like light brown hair, it goes like this and he's always like Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. He's always peace signing, looking funny. Is there like He's some? Super um, happy. Is do they? Because there's another. There's that famous um, anime, isn't it, about the Italian Pocarossa? Oh yeah, Pocarossa. Yeah, yeah. I have heard of that oh, one. Oh yeah. Isn't I that's? Seen I that mean, one. that just means what? Red pig in Italian? Like, is there like yeah. some like subculture of Italians in Japan or something? In Italy, in the 1930s, <laughs> sky pirates in biplanes terrorize wealthy cruise ships as they sail the Adriatic Sea. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I have seen this one. This is a 19. This is like an, a movie from the 90s. I've seen the poster for it, and I assumed that was like mm. the Italian dub. I'm like, why would they a Japanese thing be called Pocorossa? 
Mm. Yeah, it's it's actually Miyazaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. I think that's Fisher's favorite one. I think. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you guys support the home team, mate. <laughs> I just realized um Hitalia Axis powers in the movie there's a uh, supporting uh character who is Greece, so that's who I'll be. That's what you'll be? Is he also called Costa? I know, but it, Greece doesn't look like you, like you got the sorry, you've got the chin for <laughs> look Germany. Like Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at what Germany looks like. It's like, you know, like I always wanted to, like, Paul's my favourite Beatle, but I can only cosplay John. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Disappointing. You could do it. The, the power of wigs and contact lenses. <laughs> Paul is the best Beatle. Thank you for agreeing with me. No. You know, I didn't used to think that, like, it's even though he's vegetarian say. and I am. And, but then that get back, like, made me see just, like, how cool Yeah, how hard was. he works. Yeah, how hard he works. And, like, just how much he put up with, too. And, like, did, even yeah. though he's trying to be the leader, he's, you know, still putting everybody else in. Yeah. Yeah. And he had the catchiest tunes. Because you're a George <laughs> fan, aren't you? Uh, I am a George fan, yeah. Big George yeah. fan. I think he's underrated. He is. Crackerbox Palace. I think John was a bit, you know. Yeah, John's had his time. Out there. Paul, <laughs> Paul was like the businessman, but he was very good at what he did as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, who knows, like, Yoko? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, well. I don't know where. John, yeah, John's legit. John's wandered out there. Out the cafe, so yeah. <laughs> there a pixel butterfly. He's gone to, to f- he saw some seagulls. He's gone to share some chips out there until he comes back in. Uh, I love how off the rails this went when John left. He realized how much is our anchor. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> someone has to segue me in to this new article. Uh, which one? Let's go with Apple. Let's go with Apple. Um, I hate apples. Speaking of <laughs> apples. Speaking of apples. Apples are somewhat wet food. <laughs> yeah, apples are. And then all the textures are different in every kind of apple. So Granny Smith. You never know what you're going to get. I yeah. agree. Exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of apples. Um, yeah. This article is from a couple of different places, but Apple is rumored to be exploring the idea of a game console and it could be in the form of apple tv so uh they're saying that they're doing either a dedicated machine uh and maybe a beefed up apple tv device which could be uh touted as like a gaming system so the rumors come from a south korean forum called clean with one user claiming to have knowledge of apple's desire to explore gaming and the leak is from like they say it's from Taiwan, from one of the factories, and it's rumored that they're conducting feasibility studies to uh, by mobilizing external consulting as well. So currently we are discussing various methods such as how to put in an official console device uh, to ha- and how to turn Apple TV into a console. The user has also indicated that Apple is seeking advice from certain game companies such as Capcom and Ubisoft. At first glance, it's all a bit of an eyebrow raiser, obviously. Despite the source being fairly tenuous, Though uh, this is also the same place in which the first details regarding the iPad mini emerged, as well as Samsung's RDNA 2 integration of its mobile chip. So it might be a 
a real source, uh, you know, uh, um, some source that we can actually trust. But again, you know, it's a rumor. And again, it's just something that they're exploring. Uh, but again, it's not completely unfeasible. They very much, Apple could very much like be doing due diligence to see and how they could progress Apple TV into a gaming device. I think it makes sense given that they've got uh, Apple Arcade and they also have, you know, an Apple TV uh, in the living room. So it wouldn't be so far-fetched to try to integrate those more tightly. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens and what the impact is on developers. It might open up some more opportunities for developers to get their um, their games into the living room. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm not an Apple person, so tell me what's an Apple TV device? Because like, I thought Apple TV was a streaming service, so I need an education. <laughs> so Apple TV, so there's TV Plus, which is the Apple streaming service, and then there's Apple TV, which is like a little Chromecast essentially, but for Apple services right. you can get any service on there like netflix and that kind of stuff it's like a little set top box it's oh, as cool. big as like a hockey puck and you connect it to your tvs it's, it's quite popular in america um i'm not sure in other com- in other countries how well it does but yeah it's essentially something that apple has you know to, to have something in the living room so you can play games on there already at the mm-hmm. moment and i'm pretty sure they've just recently added support for maybe not recently, but maybe even a year ago, support for gaming controllers as well that you can plug in. So like a, like a PS4, PS5 or Xbox controller so cool. over Bluetooth. So it's so, kind of like an evolution of what they're already doing. Yeah, essentially. And this this I guess this rumor is kind of saying that they might take it a step up and actually start looking at putting, you know, beefier hardware in or maybe just completely aiming towards making a gaming, uh, a gaming platform. It's... Um it would have to be something like special like mm. for apple to do it i feel like they got spanked pretty hard when they did um apple maps and then mm. that um that crap the proverbial bed on the on the word go and like they've spent that whole time trying to make it better apparently it's good now or something um i think they'd be v- hesitant to make something that was just another mm. google maps you know like mm. another so like there must be something that it's gonna do. That... Like another Ouya. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's essentially what this is. It's like you're playing games on an Android, yeah, or like an Nvidia yeah, Shield I or see. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless they do something interesting with it, mm. it'd be like, like why? Like I get why they have Apple TV plays it because they've got um Apple Arcade. Yeah. Surely something in there would have to link to it. Like mm. why would they? have Apple Arcade and then something else. Um, yeah, they've got to be expanding that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it makes sense given how, like, I mean, how profitable games are and stuff like that. It's a huge chunk of the market that they're missing. But, like, yeah, it would have to be good because, you know, Apple's, like, the premiere of... Um, when Apple uh, does something, they, they yeah, they do it. Like, they'll put in... They'll make it... They'll try to make it the best experience possible, but... Yeah, they definitely can I'm not a fan of <laughs> Apple's branding. Yes. Like, now it's just like, I don't know, it feels like a parody of itself now, like yeah, Apple branding. Like, I um, I was showing my students, like, examples of branding and, um, you know, what's in a brand kind of thing. And um, I was using Apple. And I did it with the idea of being like, oh, look, I can pull a screenshot from the Apple website of this one product and you'll know what it is. And they did know what it was. 
But at the same time, it, that's just because they kind of have the monopoly on black and white and <clears throat> like not styling your stuff, basically. Um, like leaving the text color as like regular hyperlink color. It's just, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> it annoys you. The style sheet didn't load. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just like, I don't know. Like Apple's hasn't changed in since like what 2007 ish like mm. their branding and everything like that i feel like i mean yeah like the last the last branding they had besides this all white and clean thing yeah. was when they did the um remember those those like uh cut out ads of like with ipod it was like people dancing and they're yeah, all that black was a cool one. Oh, that was a cool yeah cool the silhouettes yeah like that was like the last different branding and ever since then it's all just been like the same yeah think different is that them think different you think different yeah 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 well apple Take, take, take your own advice, all right? Think different. We're all doing clean now. Do something different. <laughs> anyway, back to gaming cards. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought I'd move on to another... Because we're, we're talking about subscriptions here and gaming subscriptions like Apple Arcade. Mm. Another one that's obviously everyone knows, Game Pass, is probably a bit more popular than Apple uh, Arcade. But there was a really awesome article and video that came out. Uh, the article was from Game Discover, which if... If you're interested in games and business, uh, the business of games, you should definitely subscribe to the newsletter of Games Discover. I believe it's an Australian publication. Um, And the video is around Game Pass. So this is a video that Microsoft actually put out uh, at GDC. And it's around maximizing your game's total value. So it was basically a little video where they went through and kind of said how Game Pass can help when you launch a game all the way from from launching it all the way to like when you're looking at making a new game like a sequel or like trying to kind of upsell your franchise so it goes through this whole pipeline i won't go through everything but you should definitely check out the video Uh, i'll go through some highlights from it but um some of the kind of cool things were saying that uh so for example they compare a bunch of different um uh, game distribution platforms and you know the the amount of it's kind of like three and a half times more uh, audience lift in the first 30 days when compared to steam so this is game pass titles at launch so from the 100 plus third party ones that came out uh, the comparison was for example when you launch on steam you might have got about 20 to 50 thousand um, unique players in the first month but 770 to 175 thousand on game pass so quite a big jump um, for you know, this is averaging across the hundred plus uh, third-party games that came out, um, and some other ways that there was more reach. So, Game Pass members play forty percent more games in the ninety-day period after joining, and explore thirty percent more genres. Um, titles that have already on Xbox uh, entering Game Pass will see an average lift of eight point three times players. So, eight point three times more players with the lowest being 1.6 and the highest being 28 times um, more players so what that means is uh, games that are already on xbox and then um, end up coming onto game pass actually end up seeing a huge jump Uh, social conversation around the game goes up three times when you appear on game pass can you hear me okay (laughs) it's slim shady we can hear you i've made it through about three different devices before getting here Making it back through the cafe door. So, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Costa. Hello. We're Costa just going through... through the window. No, you're right. We're just going through one of um, the Xbox uh, articles here. So, just listing out some of the different things. Um, 
another one that uh, another thing that Game Pass does as well is uh, for indie developers so indie creators uh, it's about 15 times um, the amount of uh, unique players that you get uh, on in the first uh, I think 30 days so again huge jumps just by using Game Pass and obviously this is a, a, a slideshow and a video that's trying to promote Game Pass um, but it's definitely showing that there's a lot of uh, positive things to launching on Game Pass in addition there's also that Game Pass players actually spend 50% more on games um, than lookalike users who are not on Game Pass which is another pretty interesting thing so uh, some other things as well like uh, just the revenue that people get from actually going onto Game Pass, they increase their revenue as well. So much there, like I won't go over it, but there's just so many good statistics there basically showing that a lot of people who have put their games on Game Pass have increased the amount of money they get back on the game, um, the amount of uh, users that they get playing the game, and just in general that Game Pass players end up trying out more games than, um, you know, the average person who will purchase their game. So, it's interesting as a, as a developer, you know, to think about when you're trying to launch on these different platforms, if you can get on a platform like that. And even from, from, from what we've uh, spoken to a couple of developers, Alex, like the amount of uh, publicity that you get from being on Game Pass seems to be pretty big. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, yeah this is the first time that they've, that they've released something like this, isn't mm. it? Because mm-hmm. we've always wondered, and everyone's always wondered, what the stats are in the background, and all, and that that makes sense. All that makes sense, because um, like, you know, if you think about it, it, it it's like if you because they're comparing it to Steam. Yeah. Steam would be like if Netflix is like was like the, a digital blockbuster <coughs> in the sense that like you get one movie, um, and you gotta like you gotta pay for that one. Th- you get take that one home instead of being like you have. Wait, that's a bad example. You know what I'm trying to say? Like. Like when you rent you movies on, on like YouTube or something like that. Yeah, but you're just renting the one or yeah. like um, where with this, you know, you, you got you pick all of them, but there's like a lot less games. Mm. So that makes sense of having more people. Um, curious why why the number 90 days, why it caps off there, because mm. yeah. that's roughly the time I forget that I have my subscription and I just stop playing. <laughs> it's probably, and it's probably like free 90 days or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that's really cool. Um I also that whole life cycle management is an interesting idea which makes sense like yeah, like you don't have to focus on the support for that game as in like you know running servers and things like that like it's just up there. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting cuz they talk about it from the context of a new game like obviously it boosts the amount of reception that a game gets. Um, but then they go through it into kind of, you know, it'll actually increase the amount of the amount that people buy in the game as well um, over the lifetime. And then kind of at the end of the funnel is what they're saying is like you upsell from, you know, for your f- franchise. If you make a franchise out of the game, you say you do, I don't know, uh, Alex Katamari, you know what I mean? You could do a second, a second <laughs> game, John Katamari, you know what I mean? Like you can keep doing it and then you can kind of upsell and... Um, the awareness that it brings by being on a platform like that is quite big. It's interesting and, and something that I, I want to kind of explore in the future is like looking at how do you even get into the Game Pass <laughs> ecosystem? I have no idea. I think you have to get it. Is it, is it actually easy for developers to get into or do they have to be chosen? 
I'm not actually. I don't know. Sure. It's all pretty harsh houses, isn't it? Around that, which yeah, makes right. me think it has to be a chosen kind of thing. Yeah, like an invite. I always assumed it was like mm. by invitation or something. Yeah. Invite only. Yeah. I mean, like the way the platform handles, like with some of the like. I remember when game. Pl- I don't know when it was first came out. No, it definitely wasn't when it first came out, but they did an 80 gig download of the Master Chief Collection and then just like would not launch. I'm like, well, that was a day of internet just just <laughs> gone. So like, surely they're like vetting that kind of stuff. So I reckon, yeah, it would have to be some kind of invitation. that They would have to see some kind of value because if these stats oh, are real and, then, and yet they've only got like 100 something games on there, then, yeah. and they're mainly like the first party ones, and they're reserving this because otherwise it would dilute it if, if mm. they just let anyone on it. Agreed. That's a problem with like Steam, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't think PS2 games had that, but I know that PS doesn't PS2 have the record for the most games released on a console because, like, and they're just terrible. Like, you can just release anything on the PS2, basically. Yeah, I mean, even on the Switch, there's so many indie <laughs> games at the moment that are like. Yeah, fifty cents, twenty cents. Like it's been flooded from having yeah. no games when it first oh, came out man. to now. It's just I didn't flooded. know that. It's interesting. I'm gonna look yeah. that up now. Like weirdest PS2 games that ever came out. This is just me side <laughs> So you, you keep surprise. talking about the article. <laughs> it's gonna there, be the rapper, the rapper too. <laughs> <laughs> was well, you you talking about Katamari before, weren't you? Like Katamari Damacy. Yeah, Damacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katamari is is one <laughs> of the all time greats. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh well, it is. I mean, it's like it wins all these awards for being like best indie game or whatever. But um, oh, there it is. We love Katamari 2005. I love Katamari. <laughs> I'm looking at top 20 weirdest right games. <laughs> <laughs> what is Katamari? I thought you were saying calamari before. It's a type of fish, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. <laughs> no, I have no idea. It's like um, this, you, basically you're a little alien and the king of the cosmos, who's this guy with like really sexy tights, <laughs> has asked you to uh, make new stars. So you have to roll up all the things in the world until you make a ball big enough. And like you roll up small things and then your ball gets bigger and then you can roll up bigger things. So like there's a stationary level where you roll up like pens and, uh, you know, like um, erasers and stuff. And then you roll up whole notebooks and then you roll up like the desk and stuff. <laughs> oh, well, and look, you have to get obviously... it to like, yeah, exactly. O- see, ob- obviously, just a symbol for late-stage capitalism. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's all just an endless <laughs> treadmill. Oh yeah, and eventually you roll up people. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, I think yeah. I've heard of this. Has anyone? And then played, you send them to the stars. Has anyone tried the? There was like I remember back in the day there was a a web add-on that you could do. Uh, on any oh, web page, and it would, it would pick and everything it would up, pick up all the text and all the images on the thing, like Katamari, <laughs> and it would play the theme that's song. Great. It was that's awesome. Cool. It was so fun. Was it like? Was it the one that's like la 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 la? Yeah, that's a good one. John, can you loop that sound recording of the two of them doing that? Can that be our outro? All right, yeah. Look, let's we will make that the outro of this episode. I'll put some drums over it as well. Nice. I was looking at, I guess, a number... I'm looking at this list on fandomspot.com of the weirdest PS2 games. Number three is Mr. Mosquito. And you literally play as a mosquito that goes around sucking blood from people. Your objective in the game is to suck as much blood from the Yamada family as you can to feed your family. You have to be quick and stealthy if you don't want to get swatted and keep pressing the pressure points to keep them nice and relaxed. Uh, Fun fact, the name Mr. Mosquito sounds a bit inaccurate when you consider that only female mosquitoes actually drink blood. 
Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 That. It's the well. weirdest. It's the weirdest PS2 game. Silent Hill 2. Like. <laughs> 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 no, according to them, it's a thing called Tulip, spelled C H U. Love heart emoji, LIP. Um, we've seen some really strange games on this list, but none of them bring together weirdness and actual fun gameplay. Quite like True Love Lip. I don't know if you meant to say love or if it's just True Lip. Uh, the game revolves around a mysterious character who's determined to win over the residents of a small retro Japanese town. And by win over, I mean he wants... Uh... <laughs> PG rating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, you have to kiss everyone in town. <laughs> You have to go yeah, around this weird little town. Yeah, <laughs> getting to know the citizens so you can begin, begin helping them solve their problems and earn their affection in return. Uh, this game may sound like some social commentary regarding the spread of herpes simplex, oh but it's actually a pretty fun, heartwarming game worth checking out. I don't know about that, Nelson has, Chitty, the author. Has anyone played Seaman uh, or heard of Seaman? Uh, please, please elaborate, <laughs> yeah. Please elaborate. <laughs> Everyone look up. Much. Everyone look up the video game. Video game Seaman and Seaman. No, I'll okay. do it after please, John does you, it. You, yeah. you, uh, um, look, I'm not. I'm using uh, someone else's computer now, so <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll do it after the episode. You, the, I mean, the game is basically like a sandbox game, and you are. It has a microphone. I got. Oh, it's a dude with, with the face yes. on the fish. It's a dude that has a. Is he's a? You're in a. You're looking at a fish tank, and there's a fish with the this guy's face on the end of the fish, and you talk through the microphone to this person, and then it like just throws insults at you, and it's got like really dark humor <laughs> nice. and like weird aesthetics. It's just a weird game. Came out on the Dreamcast, and then it was on like wind. I think it was on. On I think number two was on PS2. I think. That actually sounds like a, a kind of cool experimental idea, though. Like as yeah. far as experimental it games is. go, it is. It's just and and actually, it's narrated by uh, Leonard Nimoy as well. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Wait, is he the angry <laughs> fish? Yeah, he's the angry fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go, Star Trek fans. This oh is god. your your next thing to check out. Um. The one that I saw, this was on PS1 actually, not on PS2. It's called LSD Dream Simulator. Mm. And if you haven't played it or seen it, go look it up on YouTube. It's like super trippy, 3D, like absurd Japanese everything. (laughs) Um, And like just weird sounds are happening and like weird imagery. But there's something about it that is just like it sucks you in and it makes you just want to like explore more and just see how weird it gets. (laughs) <laughs> these are quite like Sounds experimental like my brain games. Likes. <laughs> yeah. but they're quite experimental games like I don't I mean I looked up LSD it doesn't look like it's badly rated or anything like they just no it's, it's cool right I haven't yeah. played it maybe but I've watched a fair bit on YouTube yeah. maybe there was more kind of like acceptance of interesting and experimental stuff back then than we see now in mm. consoles which is weird because it would have been so expensive to make much more expensive to make those games than yeah. it is now like you don't have, yeah. prior t- you have proprietary engines. Like there's not a lot of, you know, mm. your unreals aren't really floating around, and maybe that's Unity possibly is. what helped it though, because you'd be one of the few ones that are actually out there, like yeah. with that kind of weird, absurd thing going on. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to like really believe in it. Mm. Well, that LSD dream emulator. It says that it was based on a dream diary kept by an employee over oh, wow. a decade. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. it makes it sound like they finished their last project 
and they're like, "All right, what should we make next?" And we got any any material that we can base it off. <laughs> Even this, look, LSD was released as a standalone game in a, and in a limited edition set with which came with a bonus CD titled "Lucy in the Sky with Dynamites" and a book called "Lovely Sweet Dream." The CD contains about an hour of acid techno music, and the book <laughs> is composed of ex- excerpts from. Uh, the developer, I think Nishikawa's Dream Diary. Wow. This is amazingly nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I part of what sucked me in. It's like, it's weird, but you just, you want to see more. You're like, there's, as weird as it gets, you're like, I know it can get weirder. Yeah. <laughs> so you keep watching. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a, there's a thing for that. Like, I remember in like 2007 watching some weird YouTube video that was like, I don't know. I, I don't even, I remember there were like you know, I don't even remember what it was and like I've tried to search for it and I'll never find it imagine this LSD dream simulator but you didn't know the name of it and it wasn't popular and then it haunts your dreams for like 15 years and you're like what the <laughs> hell was it like but it was the same kind of thing like just like weirdly nostalgic uh, weird oh wait a second <laughs> uh, there was one called like pets something pets something uh, let me just find it a pets cop I don't know if you've seen that it was a YouTube channel that was like putting a footage of this game called pets cop or something like that um, which I don't think was actually a real game but it's like this PS1 platformer and as the person is playing it gets weirder and weirder and it becomes it's kind of like those old creepy pasta stories you'd read about uh, video games but this is just like a it, it looks like a let's play, but it just gets weirder and weirder, and it's like a, <laughs> it's a breaking the fourth wall horror kind of oh, thing. Wow. It's an hour twenty long playthrough here of like a game that wasn't real. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. you said it wasn't real. Wow. Oh, the best game you've never played. That's so good. Oh my god, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. The best so, creepy pasta was those horrible pictures on the Game Boy camera, though, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you <laughs> running? That's like, no, not good. Yeah. Those uh, are actually terrifying. Yeah, they, they were, were real they're... as well. Look. Yeah. Like, and um, you didn't know when you were going to get them. You just try and save a picture and there's no more space <laughs> left and you get that face. You're like, oh, God. Well, it's the equivalent of like being on the street taking a photo with film and it's like if you run out of film some guy just slaps the camera out of your hand (laughs) (laughs) too bad you better run or like photo bombs a beautiful photo you're about to take like a face like (laughs) yeah that's right that was that was was creepy i saw a um a pretty cool video actually on the game boy camera there's this youtube video it's like retro uh channel and he like makes color photos with the game boy camera but oh, wow. I forgot how he does it, but he basically, he, he will take the three photos. I don't know if he lights it differently or what, but then he will make one photo just um, cyan, one just... No, no, not cyan. That that would be print. Uh, one red, one green, and one blue. And then lays them over the top, and then they make oh, colored okay. photos. Wow. I don't know how it works, but... That's pretty cool. That's so cool. You know, when people get, like, old retro technology, and mm. um, they just, like, they use it nowadays. Like, that video I sent you, John, of the... Um, the the card reader so if like if you're learning english back in the day you put it on those magnetic strips like like when you go park your car and it prints out one of those big white cards with the black strip on the back and then you put it in the ticket machine it was like that but it's got a portable sound recorder so 
you hit record, the card moves along and you talk and whatever sound it hears, it plays back on that card. But then yeah, you do that, but it makes, it comes out like lo-fi sounding. So oh, then you, that's right. Yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So if you play like, I don't know, piano or something and you play it back, it sounds like lo-fi piano, but then you can reverse it. Yeah. Um, you can like tape the cards together and then it loops Loop around. Loop them around, yeah. Yeah. It's, and now there's been like a resurgence in people buying those machines. It's kind of like the, um, the Game Boy original that people they write software for and they kind of hack, hack it around and uh, create chip tune based on that. Like they use that and, and people do live sets as well, which is an interesting one where they actually play, uh, they play songs like in, in real time in a concert using like a Game Boy, which is just awesome. Or the floppy oh discs. The floppy That's discs, cool. have you seen those? Oh, yeah. like, um, oh, cause like the motor in the floppy yeah, disk yeah, can get, rev yeah, at different yeah, speeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that there were programs back in the day where you get like Star Wars on a floppy disk and you play it and you it would sh- just play the Star Wars theme on your computer. Anyone listening, <laughs> look up those videos. I can't even... Just write your favorite, like try Star Wars and then just do floppy disk uh, music. You'll find something. That's awesome. The, the thing I'm really getting into at the moment uh, is making music in the style of Game Boy Advance music yeah and it's like i found recently the uh was it the roland sc88 which is the old uh midi instrument um device that a lot of like 90s games would use so if you ever played age of empires a lot of sounds were like that Um, but but it was like huge if i i found sounds that are used in like final fantasy 7 final fantasy 8 all those kind of like late 90s era games and then I found um, with Game Boy Advance, I'm still learning about it, so there's more to it. But um, if you add like a layer of, uh, or you uh, reduce the bit rate of it um, by like t- tenfold or something, it, it gives uh, all those weird crackly artifacts that make it sound more like it's coming out of a Game Boy Advance just because the audio space, the amount of space they had for audio on Game Boy Advance was like tiny. So they had to super compress the files and everything and... Um, but it's like, it's interesting looking into it because, you know, people talk about vinyl and people go, you know, like records, vinyl sounds amazing for some reason. Mm-hmm. No one says that about Game Boy Advance. They, a lot of people on the internet are like, this is the worst sounding thing in the world. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I grew up with it. So it's actually, for me, it's like the vinyl thing. It actually brings me nostalgia and it just feels really good. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's a whole lot there. I think I'm actually going to be experimenting with it for a long that's time now, awesome. to be honest. Keep so. us updated because that stuff is yeah. so interesting. That's very cool, yeah. And yeah, I'm a vinyl well, person. I'm just, there you the- go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, there's something about that. Like, <laughs> it is, it's better somehow. It just is. Yeah. It feels warmer. <laughs> I like the crackles. Like, I like the scratches. And I, li- yeah. I like the little boom boom. Oh, man. Susie, I have to show you all these digital plugins that just add, add a layer of that <laughs> the top of oh. what you're doing. There's an entire market for lo-fi making really? digital stuff sound yeah. like old analog. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's uh, very cool. Yeah. That's why lo-fi is so good because like lo-fi barely, if I'm, if I'm correct, right? Lo-fi is like, you know, reminiscent of like 80s music and synthwave stuff like that, but it didn't really exist like that because they didn't really have the technology refined back then to do it like it kind of did like you know but like you go back and you listen to like um the soundtrack from the first terminator movie and stuff like that and it had those techno sounds but it feels like you know 
that wasn't them trying to be nostalgic. That was like peak 80s. Like that was how it sounded, right? So there's like this like uh, analog nature to it back then. Mm. You know, a- analog metaphorically, not actually being analog. So it wasn't but the style like, that they would play those instruments in. Yeah, but like it's so much more refined now. Mm, mm. Like it's the... Uh, like. I know we've talked about this before of like so many things not being able to exist in the time that you're trying to recreate because the technology wasn't actually there. Even, even the technology to get it out to majority of the people or to, ref, to, you know, have the, you know, technology to make the computers that can make the chips that can mass produce these kinds of machines or something yeah. like that. And it's, that's like, I think like the best part of these like renaissance, if that's the right word and these kind of things of like just being able to do that like synth wave yeah yeah like if you were around back then like making music back then like how would it be as easy as you as you're doing it now john to just start making music on a game boy advance you know oh uh, well i could tell you the way i'm doing it is definitely not what they did back then because yeah uh it was it would have been a lot harder for them and I've, i found youtube videos of people sort of doing it how they were doing it back then but um for me at this stage i'm happy enough using modern workflow <laughs> and then kind yeah. of trying to make it sound like it's that retro style well even uh, making games like, it would be impossible right because there's yeah. things like that pink floyd song with all the clocks where like when they recorded it they actually had to set up like 50 clocks and yeah. then they had to wait for them yeah. all to like go off like nearly at the same time oh wow which is yeah. crazy yeah yeah again which is why you wouldn't have heard that so much back then like it's it stood out because it took so much effort to do because it was and it was the only one that did it oh you just reminded me have you seen the video of the guy who buys all the furbies he cans and he's attached them to a synth and he just has (laughs) he has a synth that's tied to like a hundred furbies um, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Furby, uh, or Furby organ, I think it is. That does Which, sound again, sounds even more like a nightmare. Yeah. I couldn't even keep my one Furby, like, alive when I was a kid. Like. <laughs> sounds like this, this person was pissed off and was like, I'm going to strap these to my piano and just hear their screams every time I... Yeah. Top comment is, this feels like something at the end of a horror movie, just synchronized voices of children's souls trapped in Furbies being played <laughs> by their puppet master. <laughs> Horrifying and gorgeous. <laughs> then there's... I'm not looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, One thing I just wanted to add, though, that I've, I, I've personally found helpful is that... In trying to do things, even though I'm doing a modern workflow, in trying to limit myself to, you know, this old Roland SC88 kind of set of sounds, it's it's forcing me to kind of try and make things sound better, more musically, if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas like these days, because they're such powerful instruments, you can just make, you can press one key on the keyboard and it just makes this epic sound, but it doesn't kind of have like a melody or anything like that. Right. And so I think just to broaden that to like, you know, the rest of the creative stuff and games, um, there is definitely something to that kind of creative limitation that it forces you to kind of do the fundamentals better, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this this is real thing with design where like you need limitation because like if you've got no limits at all, like your ideas just keep sprawling and sprawling and getting bigger. Yeah. But like yep. if you've got limitations, you'll think of creative ways to meet that or do something cool and interesting within that. And that's where like real design happens when you've got those things that you're addressing or that kind of problem that you're solving. It, it almost kind of ties back to uh, we've interviewed 
Blue Moon Games and uh, Michael and Jason both spoke about it how they put out their game Lua which is like a maximum five minute experience Mm. and that was because they imposed the limit on the time that they were going to spend on that project I think it was two weeks or three weeks it was for a game jam it was a game jam it was a game jam and 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 it's it's you know they have another project which uh, it's not out yet but they've been working and working and reworking and reworking that um you know they they put a deadline but just this little project that they kind of worked on had a limit you know stuck to a certain uh certain time limit certain scope and then it came out and it was uh, you know a big hit with um the audience that they they made it you know in mind for and it just goes to show they wouldn't have got there had they not put in that that limitation on it so it does yeah help. yeah that's awesome there's actually a good point to segue to i've got two topics and this segues into both of them so we're going to pick which one we want to do Um, i'm going to go with first the kirby music cover uh, because you're talking about all right so we're talking about doing things in a limited way so there was the kirby um one of the early games in the 90s had a a um a track which was called uh, meta knight's revenge i think which was pretty cool and you know obviously the composer had to make something pretty insane with like very limited sounds. Um, anyway, someone's gone and done a, a cover of that uh, with a big jazz band and that jazz band just won a Grammy today <laughs> uh, for that wow. cover, which is, um, I don't know if this is the first video game thing that won a Grammy, but um, that could have been Austin Wintery with Journey. But this was, yeah, pretty big news though in the gaming world. So, Huge, a yeah. YouTube cover of a video game music won a Grammy today. Whoa. I see, That's very Yeah, cool. I saw a tweet saying, like, it's now in the, you know, it's culture, basically. They were like, video games is culture. Um, yeah. yeah, and you can go listen to it on YouTube, and it's insane. It's insane, firstly, just the arrangement of the whole thing. It sounds great. But then also seeing all the musicians do it <laughs> as well. Yeah. And just seeing that many people willing to kind of perform video game music I guess together it's becoming normalized like that I think it's really cool Nintendo would be loving this right now with uh, the Kirby game just coming out the new one they probably t- <laughs> the, yeah. Nintendo probably, <laughs> Nintendo probably turn around and like sue them or something yeah that's what I was thinking <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> they would so do that we don't care if you got a Grammy like, okay, it's, you're, you're infringing on our <laughs> yeah they would, like, Grammy. they would like dr- drive a car like onto the Grammy stage and be like stop everything <laughs> <laughs> they can't do this there was but the car is Kerbo, like yeah. it's Kirby as a car. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this—it's a huge, it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge win for like games in games music to be recognised on at that level. You know what I mean? Or in Grammys uh, level. So it's crazy. And it even actually, I want to add something to that Nintendo swing, which was funny. Um, yeah, and another thing I saw on Twitter actually. There's for some reason Nintendo keeps going and trying to uh, doing takedowns for an old uh, guide for Super Mario 64 which showed (laughs) off a bunch of it was like a magazine and people have scanned it and you know distributed it um, and it was basically showing like unreleased levels and things like that and kind of um, a 3D overview of some of these worlds from like a different angle that you wouldn't have seen in the game 
and Nintendo is uh, purposely going and hunting down these these people uploading these PDFs and doing takedown requests on it. Like it's, it's oh, to man. this other level. It's ridiculous. Do, do they have this whole department there that's <laughs> yeah. just like agents, secret agents, <laughs> just hunting down this stuff on the internet? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I understand they're trying to protect and you know protect the integrity of of their IP and. But but the thing is, they don't offer avenues for you to explore. Yeah, and that's the that's big, the big mm. problem. That's the it. big problem I've heard with the music as well, is that they they do all these takedowns on YouTube for people uploading the the soundtracks, but they never offer a way for you to listen to the soundtrack unless you like bought the game on, you know, some thirtieth uh, anniversary collection, and you have to turn your switch on and listen <laughs> yeah, to it yeah, through yeah. their yeah, menu. Exactly do you know what I mean? Crank, crank out your CD player. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, if you want to listen to the music from Mario 64, the only legit way to do that is to get that, what you're talking about, the Mario All-Stars collection. <laughs> yeah. And just sit Which there is with it limited anyway. So yeah. you still yeah. can't get it anyway. Yeah. No, I've weird. heard that. It reminds me of someone made a, a, it was a fake tweet, but it was like a tweet by Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. But it just said, I just saw a picture on the internet of Mario and Luigi kissing Please do not do that. <laughs> I think that's real. Isn't that real? <laughs> it actually might nah, be. Nah, man. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I mean, not good because I mean, they are brothers, but... <laughs> He's just like, this is not canon. Just let you know. This is not canon. Not canon. <laughs> can if it was canon, Peach would be there too. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, can the Sonic, whoever made Sonic, can he get in on his fan art? Because... I think someone well, needs to check in on those kids. The Sonic team are like totally open to memes and stuff like that. And they're just like, they're just trying to stay relevant. The, the Sonic Twitters are always like on top of the, ahead of the game. It's like stuff. leaving your front door open being like, if I trust the universe, the universe will trust me. <laughs> and no, now we have pregnant Sonic in our nightmares. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, maybe on spe- speaking of that, maybe I'll, I'll segue to the other topic. We're going to talk about. Speaking about how creative uh, Alex is. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. Um, well, actually, no. So we're talking about like using creative limitations and how like, so the original composer, you know, had limitations, made this really cool music track, which has now been rearranged as a huge jazz band thing. Now won a Grammy. That's awesome. Uh, on the topic of creativity though, um, uh, something I did over the last uh, week and a half was uh, I just started asking around some of the communities I'm in uh, the question, uh, what do you find helps you most when you hit creative blocks, frustrations, or corners? Um, and the communities I'm in are pretty much game-related, so <laughs> it's biased in that way, but that's okay. That's our audience. <laughs> um, and I won't read out every answer I got, but just some of the like trends that we got. Probably one of the biggest ones I found uh, that surprised me, but I do this as well, is going for a walk. Mm. A lot of people mentioned going for a walk is actually a great way to kind of help them kind of get away from the project, clear their head, and also spawn ideas. Mm. Um, and I think someone put it really well where they said, I can't remember the exact words, but it was pretty much like it helps them to then see the forest for the trees and not get too bogged down in the details. Mm. Yeah. Uh, some other things that came up, uh, a few people said they like to uh, play their favorite video games or listen to their favorite albums or look at their favorite uh, art, um, so kind of getting inspired that way. Uh, had a few people uh, honest about 
substances that they took <laughs> to help take off the edge um, from alcohol to chocolate. Um, <laughs> from A to C. Yep. Um, there, there was another one that came up here that's uh, about uh, getting involved in kind of community events and staying connected with people. They found that was helpful. Um, which I found interesting because I'm also at the moment reading a book which is basically something like 50 essays from professional artists about, you know, the realities of working, living as a professional artist um, just to see kind of, you know, what, what's the trends there. And one thing that keeps coming up is being part of a community as well. Mm. A lot of them say that that helps keep the uh, motivation going as well. So, yeah. So, how about you guys? Is there anything that you find uh, helps you when you're getting creative blocks? Literally a shower, like 100% genuine, a shower. Yeah, yep. I, I totally relate to that. I'll yep. take 50 showers a day if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to really, have a shower. I don't I need saw, this. I saw one here that like I really resonated with actually um, and I was thinking about this was, it was a, I don't know, it's a games program but mentioned here, build garbage, then try to make it better and I think that process this kind of ties into procrastination but that process of just starting it um yeah even at the most Mm. basic level it kind of gets your subconscious ticking in the background and even if you go away from it you can come back when you come back say you go for a walk or whatever or even if you just stop working on it for a week or something you come back and your brain's like in the background processed something that you started yeah as long as you start it really um, your brain's That's a really good point. ticking on it and I really like that really resonated with that mm. yeah mm. I agree with that too because like if I if I leave something I'll feel guilty like but say like if I'm working on a visual design or something like if I can't get the don't know how I want to do the design but I'll put all the elements on the screen so like I'll just type the text I'll put the images and I'll just place them anywhere and mm. then I've yeah. like started it because I've started plotting it out and then I can go away and you know have a walk or like forget about it for a while but like I've done something right so I'm not going oh I need to start that thing I feel so guilty that I haven't done the thing and then I can really yeah start reflecting on that design subconsciously like you said yeah right um one thing I find like playing music helps as in like playing the guitar playing the piano yeah Yeah, cool because it's like a and yeah I bet you'd be the same Susie um yeah it's just like breaks it up (laughs) yeah it breaks it up and it's like um it's like there's like a mental block right so like you use your hands your fingers or whatever to like get rid of this like i don't know like this energy or like i don't know like if you're if you're at the computer like i'm guessing all these all these people are either if they're game developers they're either mouse and keyboard or they've got like a pencil or like a tablet kind of thing right so you're you're using your hands and like I'll whatever it is I'll get like frustrated at my hands um before like my head um so if I can do something else that's like like guitar the dexterity that you need in that it's kind of like going for a run but with your with your hands Mm. Um, and also it takes up like a bunch of your cognitive energy so like it refreshes the rest of you right because like you focus on that and your brain focuses on that or for me anyway and then like my brain forgets everything else it's like a reset kind of yeah yeah, yeah, right. That's pretty. It's like cool. doing a so, do you hard find reset. then like, do you find do you ever like get ideas while you're playing music, or is it more like it shuts off your brain to everything else, so then you can be more fresh? I think for me, it shuts off 
Uh, well, it, like it shuts off everything else except the music because then you get to be creative yeah. in that. So like, um, yeah, cool. it's like like music. I guess music like the the similar thing with like if you were doing art, like a like a like a visual art as opposed to music, is sorry the thing that they have in common is if you learn if you don't learn just to replicate what you're listening to like if you learn to make mistakes like um i i think i think you can be very uh what's the word kind of like privileged in in how you learn music let's say so when i learned guitar i learned um blues stuff first so stevie ray vaughan Jimi hendrix albert collins albert king all these people who their music it's like, you know, at its rawest form, it's based on three chords, right? And their songs are either about uh, their partner cheating on them or they missed the train. Like all their songs are the same. Um, but the amount of stuff they do with it because they improvise and they go on stage and they'll have whole different chunks. And it's like a whole different way of your brain working as opposed to then, okay, if I'm a, uh, you know, I have a corporate job, but you know, I really love playing the guitar. I'm, I'm, you know, copping out here, but like someone who's just like, yeah, I like blues music, but all you do is like play it note for note, but you don't take over the persona of the musician who was taking yeah. the risks of just, you know, if I'm playing guitar, I just have to put my thumb on that bass note and that's my root note. And then I know what the scale is so I can play with any of those notes and make stuff on the, put on the spot. It's the same with visual art. Like you can, uh, trace the concept art for god of war right and but then all your stuff if that's all you do then all your stuff just looks like the concept art for god of war which would look amazing but then like you don't develop your own style so yeah that was a long answer to be like it it makes you start focusing on something else i think yeah um, oh, that's amazing yeah i just about myself yeah. covers <laughs> well <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't do music to get away from music. Yeah. No. <laughs> Would you do reverse? Do you do, you, do you think visual to get away from music? Uh, n no. I, well, I was thinking about that while you are talking about it. So, like, I reckon I could maybe do that. But one thing I find, it's probably my top three things, uh, going for a walk helps a lot. Mm. Uh, showers help as well. Mm. <laughs> um, but I probably do a lot of journaling mm. sort of stuff. I, I find, uh, like... It's not even strict journaling. It's often just like trying to get my thoughts down on paper, whether it's like handwritten or typed. Because um, I find I often like, I'll get to a point where there's a lot kind of swimming around mm. up there. And so if I actually kind of write it down, it helps me kind of uh, clear a lot of the bullshit yeah. <laughs> and just kind of work out, you know, what, what the problem is. Uh, but more often than not, if it's an actual break I need, then yeah, I'll go do something else. And ideally, if I go some to a different location, that helps mm -hmm. as well. And then come back to kind of get that separation. So, when you yeah, journal, is, is it a specific structure or is it just kind of whatever's on your mind? Uh, for journaling, yeah, for journaling. Uh, no, it's pretty. Yeah, I've tried a few different things. Um, it's usually just you know writing down kind of the key thing that yeah, I think is yeah. maybe stopping me or bugging me. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, after I did jury duty last month though, I'll tell you this, <laughs> this is one thing I picked up, <laughs> um, is in these trials, they the lawyers are like so precise with like every logical step. Um, it's definitely not like law and order where they're just yelling at each other and, you know, being putting on a spectacle. Uh, in real life, it's like every logical step, they're like, 
um, okay, it says here in this evidence like that this happened. Do you, and the person on the witness stand, they're like, do you see that? Yes. And so they kind of like establish, all right, that happened. Mm. That is now evidence. And then they go to the next thing. It's like, all right, so did this happen? Yes. Or, or like, do, do you agree that this is what it says here in the evidence kind of thing? And what it showed me is, uh, they, they call it like the platonic dialogue, I think, which is basically where you kind of take a theory or a hypothesis mm. or something or a thought and then you, you question it and you try and like um, argue against it. And then whatever you're kind of left with is meant to be the truth, yeah. let's say. Mm. <laughs> um, it's not always perfect, but um, that's one thing I started doing as well was like if I'm trying to like if my head's a bit of a mess and I'm trying to like work out what the problem is or what I should do is I just do that like real step by step. All right, I know this is definitely true. Yeah. All right, what's the next step? And it's like even to the point where it's like a numbered list, like one through to seven or whatever. And I get to the point where it's like, okay, I found that one specific little detail. That's the bit that I'm actually confused about, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. And then that helps me to kind of like actually work it out rather than getting overwhelmed and having a breakdown. So. That's a good That's method. Lists yeah. are so powerful. I, I have a theory that lists like um, like procrastinators love lists and that's why there's so many list apps and to-do apps because they're like, I love this app. I want to make my own app and then they make their own to-do list app. Like you look it up on the apps, any app store, there's like thousands of different I, even I wanted to make one. That's that's where my hypothesis. But they're all slightly from. different, Alex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need Gotta eight them of all. them. <laughs> it's it's kind of just that that's the process of putting your thoughts on paper. Whether it's like you said, listing it down and kind of trying to distill what the issue is, or even like when you're trying to make a decision, listing you know the the pros and cons, and just like it's it's just literally filtering your your brain into what is the the issue or the problem that you're trying to solve it's a good yeah it's a yep. really good method yep. mm. yeah. it's awesome what about you Costa uh, yeah I mentioned like just kind of starting oh, did you um, <laughs> I was totally start- listening <laughs> yeah well like I said just kind of starting your your work early and I, I think another thing that helps is getting feedback from someone that you trust as well like I started some design work on a on a like a user interface design for a product and just getting input really early of like here's my thoughts on what like here's the kind of perceived problems here's what I'm thinking you know could work like what are your thoughts and then it was just good to hear a from a a, a friend um just like the their approach or like what they kind of see in the designs of what I had um, and just incorporating that feedback, like it wasn't even like maybe you should do it like this. It was just like, oh, this kind of feels like this or this kind of feels like that. And that just helps to to see it from a different perspective. And, you know, in, in, in UX and, you know, in user interface and user experience, you're always doing that um, testing with use, like real world users. So I know that's probably not a create like a creativity thing, but it's more around like making sure that you hit the nail on the head like when you're trying to solve a problem is just getting that f- user feedback in quite quickly um and and it, yeah it can definitely help when there's like blocks um or issues that you don't know how to solve just getting feedback and then knowing okay the users kind of feel like this about that or they had they struggled with this they struggled with that 
helps validate it as well when it goes right you're like cool that that went well and then if it didn't go well you're like okay well i know that these are the issues and here's how to fix it so yeah yeah ui art would have well not the art but the ui itself would have to be like a um like a a a tricky job to do creatively like like what you're doing like the wireframe and stuff because that's Mm. that's based on the um psychology right Mm. so and it's like celia hoden was saying Mm. like some, something along the lines of like not reinventing the was it Celia yeah. or was it uh, someone else just being like Jillian yeah Jillian that's it sorry Jillian um, of saying there's a narrative to the reason why we do things the way we do it you know so if you wanted to have a creative expression of being like I want to do things like this we'd be mm-hmm. like well no because we have user testing that says no yeah. it'd be like yeah. you know like we don't have that for art like you know I guess you kind of do but art gets that pass where you get to go like what's well, my art you know yeah. you don't get to do that with um, <laughs> laying out UI elements like I chose to have my uh, whatever navigation it's like no one's going to have a mini map in the middle of the screen do you know what I mean it's like you, stuff, that stuff's like common sense but it's been that's my style I, I don't know Cost. so as we saw with Elden Ring there's no such thing as common sense when it comes to it's UX let's not open that can of worms again <laughs> um, but yeah uh, yeah feedback was, and starting early yeah oh cool there was there was something I was going to add to that about the um, creative stuff but it's gone it's gone <laughs> that's right there will be future episodes Talk about creativity. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's it. I found it. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Susie showed me a graph recently that showed the... Um, actually, I don't know if we've talked about this already on the podcast. We might have. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, you know that graph, Susie, about the creativity, how much it drops by the time you get to like age 10? Oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like at f- what? At, so there's this graph, right? I can't remember who records the stats. Let's just say this is irrefutable um <laughs> basically there's a graph right okay so you imagine the numbers on the left are a percentage from zero to 100 percent, and that's your level of creativity if you're at 100 percent, you're like a creative genius right like you, you can't get any more creative that is it and basically this graph shows that when you're like five years old you're create i think it's like five years old is it susie i think that's where it yeah, starts i think it's it like, was that was the top yeah yeah you're like 98 percent yeah. And then when you hit age 10, it's down to like 30%. And then Just by the time you get to there. 30, it bottoms out to 2%. Unless you stay keep, creative. Stay yeah. creative. And just what, seeing it visualized. When, I mean, oh, there's so many questions around that. When, when they say like, what does it mean to be 100% creative? What does it mean to be 80% creative? Well, Is that they did... Sorry, go on. Creative oh, I was just going to say they... They did um, a bunch of interviews with the the participants and they basically asked them a bunch of questions and saw how they addressed them or how they answered them. And the creativity was when they could answer them multiple ways or like in ways that weren't the one that was expected or something. Oh, but then okay. like when they could only come up with one answer or the answer was like super generic, that's when it started becoming less creative. It's so I think it was right. quantity and equality. Like I think they did mm. both. There's a good framework, actually. <clears throat> I can't even really remember all of them, but you're probably familiar with it. The the creative thinking hats, the different hats as to how to look at problems. Have you heard uh, of that, yeah. Susie? Uh, That's yeah. Ed- Edward de Bono. De Bono. It, yeah, the different colored hats and you kind of look at, and it kind of helps you to 
yeah basically look at a some at, look at something that you're looking at um, from different perspectives and it helps to get the creative juices flowing and start generating different ideas it's a really yeah, cool concept right. um, it's such oh, a this scary one the, the one that Alex is talking about it was the same people too that they interviewed like this guy interviewed kids like when they were five and then oh, wow. when they were like in high school and then when they were adults and like a big finding like from it years. is like yeah. our education system is like kind of kills creativity like yeah it's a big problem yeah and it, it was like the um i remember there was a note in there that i think you had susie about um it's uh because it doesn't encourage you to make mistakes like the way that mm. you learn as you grow up, you're taught to do everything right. And that's like I was saying as well with the music. Yep. Like if you're like actually jamming as in you're riffing on something, you, you're free to make those mistakes. Like isn't jazz built around making mistakes and, and just making it sound right? <laughs> yeah. And it's a, there's a quote where it's like in jazz, if you make a mistake, do it twice. Yeah. Because then you make it not a mistake anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a thing that, so when I, I used to work at a primary school and, towards the end of when I was there, um, they did something which I thought was really cool. I was inspired by a school that was in the US doing it, which is basically project-based learning. So the old traditional way of education is that you kind of learn things that you have to memorize and then you do exams, you do tests and you kind of put down the right answers and you get your score and then you're happy or you're sad and then you forget it all. Mm. Um, but mm. but then when with uh, project-based learning, it's essentially like saying, all right, this is the goal. You need to, I don't know, create create something that'll function. Uh, solve this problem, basically. Solve this problem. Yeah. And then it's up to the student to kind of work out how to do that. But then, you know, the teacher is always there to, you know, ask uh, to answer questions or to probably more so to help the student find their own answers. Mm. Yeah. And I think in my experience, that style of thinking has been really helpful because, uh, you know, ever since I left school and like t end of uni, most of real life is that kind of thing where it's like, there's not yeah. someone apart from Google <laughs> who will give you the answer. <laughs> and, and half the time, Google can only give you like mm. kind of simplistic answers to most things. Um, yeah, so, I yeah, always it's, Google it's how to fix my life and it never tells me. <laughs> well, you get plenty of articles about it, but you know, that that's what's worked for other people kind of thing. Yeah. So it'll help, but yeah, I that... I was um I was having lunch with one of my good friends yesterday and I I brought up that graph to her and I was talking to her about it because she was saying her nephew who's like two I think maybe three um they were playing like in the backyard and she was saying about you know how like his imagination and stuff like that and she can't keep up he they were just like looking at dirt or something right like on the on the ground and he was saying like um oh, look at the fish, look at the fish and something like that. And, and she's just like, what fish? Like, I don't know what the hell like, yeah. and I was just like, <laughs> oh my God. And it made me think of that graph of just like that imagination. And I said to her, I was like, you got to like nourish that. Like you got to, yeah. Because like going. school will, will like push it out of you. Because like you're saying, like there's one right answer at school. Like teachers are teaching a curriculum. The curriculum has these answers and that's what you're trying to teach, right? So like you're teaching that that's dirt. You're not teaching that that's fish. Yeah. So kids will say that's fish. And if the lesson is this is dirt, you'll be told you're wrong. Yeah. Right. Also, so you yeah. learn it's that. It's also extremely, um, you know, demotivating when 
you don't get the right like nourishment or feedback you know when you're doing that kind of stuff like i remember when i was when i was studying software and i was doing programming we had a lot of those tasks of tests and tests and, and i hated them and then we had this one kind of major project at the end of it where it was basically here's the things that you've learned like it was object oriented programming here's the things that you've learned just implement them in in any way you want like free reign you know like go wild and you know a lot of people just did like kind of you know here's a here's a here's a pizza shop uh software that <laughs> simulates a pizza shop like just random stuff like that and i got really like into it and i spent probably like two weeks straight like coding a um a text-based pokemon game oh, and i just got so whoa. so into it and like i I did the whole battle simulation and like every Pokemon had a statistic and it would simulate like critical hits and all this kind of stuff. Like I really got into it. And then I remember presenting it to, um, I I think it was a tutor, I think. And they just kind of went, yeah, cool. No worries. Mm. And I, and that was so soul crushing. Um, and so, yeah, it's so important to, to kind of like give positive feedback to that kind of creativity and that kind of yeah effort that people put in with that because it, it yeah. just it was crushing totally. i was like i don't even want to do computer science anymore after that well that, yeah. that's right and like i think this is connected to the whole growth mindset thing which i think it was carol dweck made famous which is basically that same idea of um praising not that final result mm. or final score but praising the kind of growth mm. or the effort I, I i'm probably not getting it completely right but yeah, there's, no, there's a fine line between where they say you know just praise your kid for trying and they say that doesn't work either but it's more yeah it's like about what you've in, learned, intrinsic, right? it's learned yeah it's the intrinsic motivation of mm. uh, feeling like all right i've gotten better and then feeling motivated to you know try again kind mm. of thing and they and they've done heaps of tests and found that is actually the best way to get better at something is to kind of praise the fact that you're actually trying mm. and learning kind of thing that's yeah. right. And that's that's something that our education system needs to catch up on, right? Because like things like grades and stuff, yeah. like they're problematic because some people come into a course with a whole bunch of knowledge and some people come into a course with no knowledge. And the person who comes into the course with no knowledge is like obviously learning more during that course than yeah. somebody who already knows it all, but the grades won't reflect that learning and that, that growth, like you've said. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Mm. Well, right. was there a course that I, I can't remember if it was a course I did or if it was I know there was some marking criteria I had once where they went to you just reminded me Susie when you said that of if you come into the course of knowledge and no knowledge there's like one where you they don't judge you based on what you do it's based on how much you improve but then people found That's the loophole cool. in that is they went I've all right, well, I'll just act dumb at the yeah, start and then I'll ace it at the end and then it looks like I made amazing progress. Yeah, but those people are always <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. try to find a loophole. You know what I mean? They're going to be yeah. the ones that will find the way to cheat. There's always the exploits, way. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain thing, but, but there's like, this is one thing I actually like about uh, doing arts and music and stuff like that is that there's a certain element of it doesn't matter what qualifications you have. Like you could fake your way and get, you know, degrees and everything but like if what you're making doesn't sound good mm. <laughs> or doesn't fit the criteria then it, like it doesn't even matter no no one's gonna want to hire you kind yeah of thing, so. 
yeah that, that's where that kind of growth mindset and learning yeah. about it and getting better and pushing all the time is like essential yeah yeah but like yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't live in a like we shouldn't have a world where what matters is the those qualifications or your grades to the point where people want that's to right. cheat right like people should be doing the learning because they want to learn the stuff mm. like yeah yeah exactly sounds like a big problem yeah and that's a kind <laughs> yes. of balance is it where, where is it intrinsic motivation versus how bad the system is and how bad it you know what i mean like is it is it just that peep some people shouldn't be in the course that they're chosen to be in or you know or is it is it or is it like a combination of the two it's like the course isn't great and it doesn't motivate people to want to be in it and want to learn it's interesting i think it needs to come, mm. i think maybe maybe it needs to it has to be adaptable yeah. see i i do really well with the idea of like um non-graded passes yeah because mm-hmm. I go, well, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to blow this out of proportion. I'm going to make something cool. But I know other people will look at that and go, well, then I'm just going to put the mm. very little into yeah. it. Um, whereas if the thing is graded, if the assignments, if a uh, thing is graded, that will put me under pressure mm. to try and reach the top thing that will make me not even want to do what I like, what I want, you know, because I don't have faith in that I'll understand the um like i'm terrible at following instructions so like i won't understand what the brief was if it if it's if it's a graded system but if it's a non-graded like there's still a brief but they're like it doesn't matter kind of like what the result is you just have to follow this brief and then you pass like it for me it gave me the it gives you the confidence to um make it as wild as you want you know like if 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 i knew for example that for a a high distinction i just need to model um well like in tafe i uh when i was doing 3d modeling right we had to do like a little environment and like or, like people were doing like little diorama scenes of like a i can't even remember like a like a street corner or something like that of just like low poly sort of thing and i ended up making that vr beetles rooftop thing and and I had like no, t- so cool. blew it out of proportion. Basically, I had a nervous breakdown doing it, and it was non-graded pass, right? But that never upset me because I was like, I'm in control of this. I get to do what I want. Mm. Yeah, that's so cool because you're like willing to take risks because you're like, well, what if I, I try this thing and it like it fails? Like, well, you know, maybe I'll still be able to do enough to pass. But if mm. you go, oh, I really want a HD, you will take the safe route, right? Mm. Like, you won't try and learn how to do the VR or you wouldn't try and learn a new texturing package or whatever because you're, you'll do what's safe and what you already know to get that HD. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like that idea of, yeah. um, uh, is it meritocracy? Is that the word? Yeah. Could, could be hindering to some. It's, it's kind of like interesting because you, you basically did, we both did the same thing in different contexts yeah, with, with the projects. Exactly, but I'm thinking yeah. the way mine was graded was actually based on test cases that I had that you had to write. And then it was basically if all your test cases got ticked, um, like you, you, that's it, you passed it. So they wouldn't actually look at the content of what it is that you designed. It was more just like, did it meet this? Mm, and it yeah. was automated and yep. it was like tick, 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 cool, done. But it didn't look at the creative, the creativity of it, and maybe that just wasn't the criteria. But yeah, yeah. Do you still? Well, have I that guess project? they can only give you so much so. as well. Being a Some educational way. institution, I mean, you know, That's like right. in an ideal world, they would say this is fantastic. We will help you then take this to market and like help you try and publish it or whatever. But mm. uh, 
I guess there's other places that are for that. There's you know startup programs and that's what that's what got me into it. Actually, was taking one of the programs I did for computer science to a I think it was called In- Ingenuity and In- Ingenuity. I think it's like a conference that they do for people from engineering. And someone who saw the program that I was that I was um, showcasing handed me their card, and they were from oh, that's the, fantastic. the entrepreneurial like mm. um, department of of the uni, and they said like you should look at trying to commercialize this, and that's what took me down that whole path um, and yeah, got me out so of cool. computer science. But it was yeah, it was that kind of stuff. That's that awesome. nurturing. Yeah, yeah, Very cool. Oh, I love oh, that. Well, this, the story this had a episode's good become uh, Cafe Boolean's Education Edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have to get people from AIE. We're going to in- fix the education system. <laughs> one podcast at a time. The future is podcasts. Yeah. Future of education is podcasts. <laughs> oh, honestly, though, to a certain extent, probably, yeah. Podcasts and YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's right. Uh, Costa, take us with the last one. All right, let's All do it. contacts fall out and dry out. We're uh, wrapping it <laughs> with another NFT thing here. but um, Yes, let's do it. It's a pretty big play in the whole NFT space at the moment, the play to earn market, as they call it, um, or play and earn. But basically, Yuga Labs, which is the original creators of the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Like the bad guys in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> has, it, has anyone heard of the Bored Apes or Bored Ape Yacht Club? The monkeys, oh, yes. right? The apes. If you haven't, it must be really heavy under that rock you live under. <laughs> yeah. So, so the owner of how of, can you admit it? Yeah. So the owner of um, of the board eight yacht, yacht club actually purchased one of the other largest uh, crypto projects, uh, NFT projects called CryptoPunks, which is the original kind of NFT project that made it oh, wow, huge. Yeah. Um, and they essentially are planning to, they, they raised $450 million uh, in funding at a $4 billion valuation. And the company announced that uh, they plan to use the money to build uh, a media empire around NFTs, starting with games and its own metaverse, again, um, air quotes there, project. Um, the team describes its project. So they put out this trailer, which is kind of a cool trailer, I'd say. If anyone hasn't seen it, look it up. Um, uh, and it's for this project called Other Side, which is essentially an MMORPG uh, meant to connect the broader NFT universe. So they hope to create an interoperable world that is gamified and completely decentralized. Uh, uh, and essentially it's kind of like they're trying to emulate Ready Player One if anyone's seen that movie uh, and again the the announcement comes after they acquired CryptoPunks and MeBits and the acquisition put three of the most lucrative NFT collections under one roof and gave Yuga Labs a bigger roster of IP to pull from when crafting its uh, game and metaverse plans it also launched something else called ApeCoin, which is a cryptocurrency, but that's, don't worry about that one. Um, <laughs> the big one here from a gaming perspective is the fact that they're making a game called Other Side, and it's meant to tie in all these different IP from different um, NFT, the biggest NFT projects, uh, but it's not limited to people who own that the NFTs. It's kind of opening this 
this uh, IP and these experiences to anyone who wants to get involved. But um, they're kind of almost creating like a walled garden of here's all the different projects, uh, but they're trying to connect different projects in there. I don't know what the game is going to be about. No one really knows. It's just kind of... Everything Costa. It's a bit of Everything and anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it's, but it's interesting. It's interesting that like it's taking that next step especially for the largest projects in this space from this art, you know, what everyone knows as an NFT, which is like this just generated art into something else. And it's got a lot of money to back to back them with. Um, and it says here that they're actually partnering with a few different game studios to bring this project to life. So um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, and I just want to kind of... <clears throat> just quickly sandwich this in but it comes as about a week i think the week after some news uh, dropped actually that the biggest gaming uh, the biggest game in crypto and in nfts called axie infinity uh, so it's the biggest crypto game in play to earn market it actually got hacked and lost about 650 million dollars so wow. huge 720 US, uh, Australian, Australian million yeah dollars was and that's the one that like all the a bunch of communities in the Philippines huge. rely on for their living too yeah, yeah. yeah huge um, th- I think it was some kind of security issue on their uh, on their end where it was stolen through the games payment system and the identified unidentified hackers successfully stole the mass amounts of crypto in two transactions and they only discovered the the hack about a week later. So hackers oh. were able to overload the payment network's transaction validators and steal the cryptocurrency after using hacked private keys or stolen passwords. So again, like huge in terms of this this new nascent uh, genre in games, the biggest game just got hacked and lost a lot of money. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here um, and interesting to see that the biggest NFT projects are now pushing into making games. It's crazy. You know, uh, so so much is crazy about this, but um, the fact that, like, when did Board Ape Yacht Cl- Club start? This is only, like, a year or two ago, wasn't it? Board Ape Yacht Club, I think about two years ago. Uh, 2021. <laughs> so, it started in 2021, well and now they're Board building a media empire. Yeah. This, value is, that this is, like... <laughs> Huge. This is like starting Marvel yeah. from like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing though. It's it's just like, you know, this is the uh, old Italian man wisdom in me that we can, <laughs> will back this. It's like anything that grows this quick crashes the same speed. Like nothing gro- goes like that. Like skyrockets in popularity and then maintains. Okay. Fortnite. Yeah. Okay. There's a few. No. Mind you, though, like uh, looking at those two articles, it almost seems like a snapshot of two different moments in the <laughs> in the history of this thing. So, yeah. you know, what's what's to say that uh, the other side won't get hacked one day, and you know, billions mm. of dollars <laughs> won't get yeah. stolen? So. I mean, that's the kind of it's the kind of space they're playing in where there is a lot of upsides, but there's a yeah, lot of downsides, and I think we're in mm. like the really early tumultuous stages of this technology and of this kind of genre that we're going to see a lot of this happening 
before things start to get refined and 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 kind of they find the the right way to go it's, about dealing with it's this. true but it's just crazy how quickly huge. it happens huge yeah I yeah know. and i mean in the future i guess it'll only get quicker yeah man i want to I'll, I'll take a week and like go from broke to have a 450 billion dollar media empire I, i'm looking forward to this yeah well i mean think about that like nowadays how how slow a week is like how much you could do in a week now yep yeah, well, I mean, look, not not to distract from this, but I mean, if you think about it, there's all the news about Ukraine happening recently and then, you know, there was the Will Smith slap only a few days ago and that hogged all the news for like yeah. four days or something. And Yeah, yeah. There's something so beautiful about this, like in an, in an art kind of way, the idea of half a billion dollars getting stolen in crypto. Like, you know, it, it's any kind of theft is wrong. And especially when we was, you were saying, Susie, about, you know, there's villages that rely on this kind of, um, uh, on this income. But at the same time, there's this like beauty behind the idea that, you know, that these hackers essentially, you know, you know, this uh, well costed, like the idea of the security behind the blockchain and stuff like that. Like it's like the sci-fi equivalent of them parking a rocket on a tiny meteor that's moving thousands of kilometers a second, right? Like there has to be like, yeah, okay. It's like daunting when it's written as news, but you give it two years and you make it a movie that has a Woody Harrelson and uh, the bad guy from Man of Steel. And then they're like, oh, it, what geniuses, you know? Like we're living in that right now, right? These yeah. people pulled this off. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I think it, it's, it's something that they'll have to learn from because I mean, every game that will try to utilize this technology, these are all issues that they'll have to deal with. And if it's happened once, I think the rest of the, you know, the rest of the community and the rest of the developers that are working in this space will, will learn from it and do things correctly. But there's so much scams and uh, there's just like it being in the space, there's so much that goes on. It's like another level of, of, um, security that's needed to fend off uh scammers and and fraud and all this kind of stuff on every kind of platform discord twitter everything so these are all challenges that these companies will have to have to deal with but uh yeah from a from a content and ip side i don't know how a a company goes from in one year like yeah whatever zero to four billion dollar valuation um you know, you largely, know, I think a lot of it is because uh, these crypto, uh, these board ape, uh, board apes, are owned by a lot of celebrities, and and I think it's kind of weirdly crossed into the mainstream. But you know, could be a fa- could be a fad like these these this IP. So they're trying to kind of bank on it right now. There must be like um, like crypto punks and board ape kind of stuff. Like traditionally. I guess these are owned by people who would not be playing games or um, like if you're earning the kind of money, unless you're like a YouTube streamer, if you're earning the kind of money where you can buy one of these things, you're probably not going to be interested in whatever this product is. It feels like they're making like a, I wonder if they're making like a light version because they say you don't need an interest in, you don't need to own any NFTs. It's probably because the people who own the NFTs aren't the, the ones who would be 
doing this. True, but so it's also is not, it, not large enough of a um, uh, an audience probably. I mean, it's like 10,000 per collection. So it's like 30,000 people that are going to play the game. They're probably aiming for way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So like... Well, isn't the whole thing, it's like a, it's almost like a high rollers club. Yeah. Uh, if you own the thing, then you're part of it and then yeah. you can hang out with all the, the other high rollers. The, there is an interesting um, point to it, which I don't think has been properly explored, but maybe we'll start to see, which is around... If say Alex, if you owned a board ape, uh, you would be able to commercialize your board ape because you own kind of pseudo rights to it. Like you, you would be able to make T-shirts of that ape and make money off off of that ape. You could almost like, from a story perspective, build a story around what this ape is and what it does, and and almost use it as a vehicle to uh, tell a story or to um yeah commercialize it in a way uh yeah, right. you could I, th- I don't know what the again a lot of it there's a lot of there's a lot going on in terms of the licensing and things like that but you could use it in a way where you can license it out to other people and it, it's like you own again the art and you can do some things that you want with it that's an interesting thought man yeah. i would hate to be a copyright lawyer right? yeah and and and, and, and again yeah. Down by yeah, who knows? Based on the countries and that kind of stuff. Again, tricky territory. We'll see where things. Well, go. isn't that the thing about all this stuff? It's uh, decentralized. There is no country governing these rules. For now, but copyright yeah, always well, had. They're trying to keep up. Yeah, mm. and and then and then that kind of mentality though that because that's so you'd still be banking on the success of board ape, right? Like if I had a board ape, right? But then I don't commercialize it. And then like in 20 years or something, I'm like, oh, you, we have this conversation and you're like, you know, you could have done that this whole time. And then I go, oh crap. And then I go and do it. Everyone's like, I don't care. Like, yeah. yeah, who cares? You know, so like it's only got value if the parent company has value. The, yeah, and that's the thing. That, and that, that, I think that's what this company saw was we need to acquire these these brands and then build them so that, you know, ultimately the, the value of all of it goes up. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's a weird one. Uh, what do you reckon? Call it. Let's call it. Let's call it. One forty. Interesting space there, though. Yeah. Hey, do we do we have a question for our audience? Um, that is good. We didn't do one last time. Um, yeah, do what have we talked about today? Education. Education. Yeah, I'd be interested to know has if anyone's had a really good education experience, mm. uh, specifically in games. It doesn't mm. have to be games, but um, creative if games. It is games related. That'd be awesome. Is yeah, there yeah. some something that you've had as an educational experience that you think uh, has really helped you and you've taken with you for your life since then? That's a really good point. That's a really That's good awesome one. one. I'm excited right. for that. Cool. All right. John, remember we need those two. Uh, oh yes, harmonies. Oh, I did not forget, and that's going to happen in a few <laughs> moments. Uh, did you guys? Priority. Did you guys want to do that again? Do you want to <laughs> do the sing the music again, and we can you make can this just play it out. You can track? play it out from, from here on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yep. All right. We're going to use the first cut then. <laughs> All right. That was. Uh, that's always our best. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one yeah. take. All right. Thanks uh, everyone for joining us tonight. Alex, Costa, Susie. And I'm John, you, John. Um, and enjoy Costa and Susie's choir here to take <laughs> us out. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. The one that's like la 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 la
Ebullians is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBoolians or by emailing us at hello at LiveBoolians.com.